Welcome to Wild Tater, the food forest podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway, and today we are going to talk about the most quintessential fruit that I'm aware of, that is the apple, specifically the common apple uh, or domestic apple. And today's episode is going to take on a little bit of a different format, simply because the apple has been domesticated so thoroughly that uh, everything that we talk about in terms of their cold hardiness needs, their soil pH, and everything else, there are exceptions to the nth degree. You know, you've got apples that have been adapted to live in tropical type climates as well as apples that live in the coldest coldest of cold areas and you know uh, have been adapted to different kinds of soils and all all these different things plus when it comes to things like uh, reproducing apples or uh, you know grafting and so forth there's so many different little things uh, little bits of information that can be useful um, that are interesting and it can be rather overwhelming if you're deciding you know what I'll throw some apples in my food forest and I want to you know I don't know breed for hardiness or for flavor or whatever there's so much about apples simply because they have been very strongly commercially bred for so long and grafted for so long that uh, we've kind of developed an entire science around the apple. And, you know, mind you, what we're talking about today are the domestic apple varieties or the uh, species, of which there are a few, mainly Malus domestica, but there are others. And uh, when you're talking about apple varieties, it, it gets to be kind of a convoluted mixed up uh, discussion when you're talking about the specific species because most of them, most of the varieties that you'll find out there, be it Jonathan, Granny Smith, Red Delicious, or the million others it seems that are out there, they're actually crosses of Malus domestica and many crab apples, many kinds of, of red apples and, and different kinds of wild apples and we're going to talk in other episodes about specific kinds of crab apples different things like that um, but today we're just kind of generally talking about the common apple now i am not speaking as an apple breeder well i should let me rephrase that i have delved deeply into apple breeding um, from the perspective of growing apples from seed to see what you get but um as yet, my fruits or my trees are quite young and have not yet produced fruit, so I know very little as far as personal experience is concerned. But I've I've tried to do some study on this to get a, a broad perspective of what's going on with the apple. So let's start out with the traditional approach that we take to this podcast and read off the cold hardiness, soil pH, and all those things. Um, and I may get into tangents along the way, um, but I hope we can talk in a little more detail about apples because really they are a fruit that are that is so versatile. Um, there's so many different ways you can do it. You just got to find the right varieties for what you're looking for. There's so many different options. They're very hardy. I mean, just a, a fantastic thing to have in a food forest. So, in general, the common apple uh, is hardy from cold hardiness zones 4 to 8, so it will withstand cold down to negative 30 Fahrenheit. There are apples that go much colder, apples that go much higher, but there's, there's your average, if you will, for the cold hardiness zone. They prefer a soil pH from 5.0 to 6.8. Their watering needs are average. Their blooming season or flowering group, it depends completely on the variety. That's that's one of the big things with apples that you want to pay attention to when you're deciding what apples to get. Their harvest season also depends on the variety. 
Their age for fruit is generally around five years old or two to five years after planting if you're buying the uh, tree from the market. And pollination for fruit. This is something that we can get into further, but uh, apples do not grow true to seed. They can grow from seed, but they don't grow uh, to be like the parent because an apple requires another variety of apple in order to produce good crop. Now, since most people have apple trees, uh, you know, there's, there's probably some in your neighborhood. If you're just getting one apple tree and for some reason that's all you can get, you should probably be okay because there's probably other apples in your neighborhood. However, having them close by will very much help. Um, but as for their requirements, they definitely need another apple in order to produce fruit. Their uh, size and maturity is anywhere from 12 to 30 feet tall and 10 to 20 feet wide. Again, these go way smaller or way bigger depending on your variety. Their sun needs, they do prefer full sun. Their preferred habitat is a cool area with uh, some full sun, but not all day sun. They do like a little, you know, shade in the afternoon if, you know, in order to cool them or keep them from drying out, things like that. But they do need some full sun to grow good fruit. Their average lifespan is 50 to 80 years. There are some who live uh, less, some who live much more. Um, growth rate, or the vigor of the apple, is generally slow to medium. They're not the fastest growing tree, but they're kind of a bulldozer. They just, they just keep going if they're allowed to survive. The reproductive rate is fairly low and mostly by seed, though you can get some popping up from mother roots. Propagation method, almost completely grafting, at least in the commercial world. It's almost all grown by grafting. And uh, though if you want a new apple variety, then you're going to want to uh, plant by seed. And if you plant in the spring, they are very easy to sprout. That is my biggest trick for growing apple trees from seed is that just start them in the spring. Now, some people will will suggest that, oh, it's hard, you've got to get just the right amount of st cold stratification and all these things. But let me tell you, if you're, if you're not picky about what varieties these seeds are coming from, then I recommend going to the store, buying a, an apple variety that is cold hardy to your climate. You can easily Google that. So say you're getting Granny Smith, you like Granny Smith apples, Google Granny Smith apple cold hardiness zone. And if that zone range is within your range, then there you go. If not, then you're gonna to wanna to pick a different apple, but just buy some in the spring. You can go as early as February and you'll start having success. But um, buy the apples that are true to your cold climate zone and then eat the apple then split open that uh, core. In the spring, those seeds are ready to grow. They're ready to go in the ground. You stick them in the ground, they're likely to grow. That's been my experience. Maybe not everybody's. Maybe I've just got an ideal climate for it or something. I don't know. But I'm usually starting them in, in a pot in the window anyway. And um, if I were to try it this time of year, it being December right now, I would have a very low success rate. You might get the occasional sprout, but they would have a hard time surviving. Then they'd probably die even before spring. Um, it, but most of the time I can't even get them to grow. There's something, I don't know if it's apples or just seeds in general, but apples seem to know when it's spring. Maybe it's something about the way they ship and pack their apples commercially that they get all their cold stratification in shipping or something, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I haven't needed to. Just I, I've noticed from my own experience, if I grow, if I take seeds from uh, apples that I buy in the spring, they'll grow. So that's what I recommend if you're interested in doing from seed. Just keep in mind, 
you're planting a Granny Smith apple seed, you're not going to get necessarily a, a Granny Smith apple out of it. You'll get some kind of apple, who knows what. But it won't be a variety that exists as yet. Okay, so their plant family is the rose family, rosaceae. All right, so, boy, where do we start with this? There are, there's all kinds of ways we could go with, with the common apple, with uh, Malus domestica and its various variants. <laughs> there are uh, many different kinds. When it comes to apples, domestic apples, here's, here's the big rule of thumb. If you're trying to figure out, is this an apple or is this a crab apple? It is simply a matter of size. Okay, if it is under two inches, um, the, the apple itself is under two inches in size, it is a crab apple. If it is over two inches in size, it is an apple. Now you might have debates up and down if it's precisely two inches, which it is. I don't honestly care, but the idea is above two inches is, is a common domestic apple. Everything under that is a crab apple. Now there are different species as we mentioned, but these have been mixed and matched so much that it's kind of, you know, other than particular kinds of crab apples that grow fairly true to seed, which many do, um, you just, it's just not even something to worry about the species. Um, because again, if you're growing from seed, they will come out a different kind of apple. Okay, so cold hardiness zone, you can find apples down to zone one. So, I mean, don't, if you think you're in an area that's too cold for apples, you just haven't found the right variety yet. Look, you know, you can Google to find, uh, you know, cold hardiness zone one apple varieties, something like that, and you will get all kinds, okay? They're um, with the harvest season, okay? Now I'm gonna be playing my jumping around, talking about anything and everything domestic apple. In order to get your best fruit crop, you want a ver two varieties, because remember, you need two varieties to get them to grow. You will want those two varieties to be varieties that will bloom in a similar season. What they've got is flowering groups or blooming groups as they, you know, depending on where you are, they may prefer to call it. If you just look up Granny Smith Flowering Group, and they'll have these numbers one through four or one through six, depending on, you know, what kind of uh, apples they are and so forth, and they will lump them into this number. Now, if you're, if the apple variety you're looking at is a, is a group three, then it should be able to pollinate with other threes, obviously, but also other twos or fours. The numbers right next to it should be okay. But if you have a two and you're and you have another tree that is a, a blooming season four, there's a good chance they will not overlap, that they will not fertilize each other. You'll have the one come out, bloom, beautiful, and all this, the flowers will fall off. There'll be a short space of time, and then the other apple tree will, poop, you know, get blossoms and, and you know, have its go at getting pollination. So again, just find some of, of the same flowering group or neighboring flowering groups, and you'll be just fine. Okay, as far as their size is concerned, there are dwarf trees that will go, you know, four feet tall. There are taller varieties that go up to 50 feet tall or more. Um, so, you know, again, it's down to the variety. It, it, I want to say it's a preference thing, but what I recommend is looking at your system, looking at your yard, looking at your food forest, looking at what's possible for you, and seeing what's going to be the best attributes for that area. First off, if you need one to be extra tall because it's surrounded by, say, I don't know, lilacs or something, if you're going to grow it in the midst of lilacs, you're going to want a little bit taller of a tree that's going to grow at least 15 feet tall. That's not hard to find. Most are that tall. But if you end up getting a dwarf variety that just gets, you know, shaded over, then well, you're out of luck, you know. If you're looking for 
heavy fruit production. Let's say you want to do some commercial stuff with the fruit. You're going to want to look at taste varieties. Um, they're, you know, how long they can store, how long they can be refrigerated and so forth. Some will last a couple of weeks and then start getting mushy. Others will last two years and still be just fine. I mean, I mean, again, it's all up to variety. Now, we've briefly talked about grafting. Any tree out there, this, this is where things get kind of interesting. you got to understand this about apple trees is the easiest way to illustrate this simply because it's probably the fruit tree that we are most familiar with having different varieties of. Okay, they're all the same species, give or take, you know, <laughs> but uh, they, and they can all mix and mingle with each other if they get similar bloom times. And sometimes you can even manipulate to make that happen uh, somewhat naturally, you know, by um, where you place them or different things. Anyway, let's use the example of Granny Smith for a moment, okay? Granny Smith was a tree that was discovered by someone who was uh, an older woman, last name Smith, there, hence the name Granny Smith Apples, and... Here's the thing, if you have a Granny Smith apple tree in your yard, that tree is a clone of the original tree. And, you know, when we talk about tree clones, you know, we're not just talking about some kind of petri dish thing. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I will continue to talk about it because it's so both interesting and important to understand is that what you're doing is essentially, it's like you're taking... You know, say you could take a person, cut off the finger, take that finger, and grow a new person out of that finger. Okay? That's what you're doing with, with plants. They, they do this, and they do it very well. And that's what a graft is. So what you're getting when you have a Granny Smith apple tree in your yard is that that is the same tree or you know, many generations down the way in terms of grafting and so forth, but it's from the exact same tree as the one in Granny Smith's backyard. It is the same tree. So if a plant is self-sterile, which means it can't pollinate itself, and you have a million clones of it, it could look like an entire forest of apple trees, but really, it's just a whole bunch of duplicates of the same tree. And for all intents and purposes, they are the same tree, just in separate locations. So unless you have grown your apple tree from seed, if you have a particular variety of apple, um, it comes from a graft. And there are tons of different kinds of grafting. There are... Uh, cleft grafting, bark grafting, side veneer grafting, splice grafting, uh, whip and tongue grafting, uh, saddle grafting, in arch grafting, uh, bud grafting, chip bud grafting. There's, there's really, I mean, if you if you look into it, just Google types of grafting, and you'll find all kinds of things, and you'll find YouTube videos to show you how to do it. There are tons of different ways that uh, grafting takes place. Just be aware that if you have an apple tree of a particular variety and there's more than one of that tree in, in, on earth because it wasn't grown directly from seed by whoever planted it, you know, um, in your yard, uh, then it was grafted, which means that the base of the tree, somewhere beneath the graft, is another kind of apple tree. We call this the rootstock tree. Now there are preferred uh, kinds of trees that uh, are used for rootstock trees, particular apple um, genetic lines that are preferred for, uh, for growing a rootstock, but, uh, but everything above that graft is the uh, clone variety and everything below that is a rootstock. 
if you look at an apple tree, especially if it's only a few years old or less, um, then you'll find that close to the base of the tree, sometimes it's below the dirt line, it really shouldn't be, but, uh, but sometimes it's below the dirt line, but usually it's uh, five, six inches above the root uh, ground level. Um, what you'll find is a bump called the graft bump where this rootstock tree was started. Okay, you had this tree just growing from seed and and then they graft onto this young tree the variety that they're looking for. We're going to go with Granny Smith again. They graft on a Granny Smith branch low on that tree, six inches or whatever it is. And... Uh, and once that graft takes, assuming it does, because sometimes they fail and then they have to try again, but assuming it takes, then what they will do is, you know, protect that grafted layer, and then they will cut off the previous tree just above the graft bump. And then what happens over time is that uh, the that grafted variety becomes the main tree. So you've got this roots, they come out of the ground, there's this graft bump, and then everything above that is the grafted variety. There's usually just a little bit of a hitch, you know, a change of direction, almost like there was a fork in the road, but uh, it took the one and went straight up from there. So you've got kind of a bump out, and that is because that is how they do that. Now, the in one of the interesting things about that, and I'm talking about this here because like I said, apples are the quintessential grafted fruit tree, even though it's pretty common among fruit trees, is that below that graft bump, sometimes you will get fresh growth. Now, it may be out of the soil, out of the ground, you know, because it's coming up from roots, or it may just be coming straight out of the bottom of the tree. And most people trim these off because it looks ugly or whatever, you know, because they're trying to have a very quintessential lollipop tree something that looks very nice or they're really they really don't want some other variety growing among their tree that they've got but what I would suggest and you know this is not for everybody but I would suggest letting at least one branch of that rootstock tree to grow the reason being one of two things either it will grow up to provide a pollinator for the tree that is above the graft, which is the grafted-in tree, um, because they'll both flower and they will cross-pollinate each other and you will have fruit on both. Or, if the uh, grafted variety that was added on, if for whatever reason it just doesn't survive, there's a good chance that you can still get a tree to grow from the rootstock. Now, you'll have some people say, don't do it. It's going to be a terrible apple. The fact is, they don't know. Because here's the thing. Anytime that you grow a tree from seed, you're getting a, I don't want to say it's 100% roulette. You know, it's not like you're mixing all the genetics from all apples for all time. You're mixing the uh, genetics of the apple that you got the seed from and the apple that pollinated it both of which came from, pollinated from other variety trees. Okay, so you've got this, this kind of eclectic mix of genetics, and you don't know what ones are going to come out in the apple. The uh, juicy sweetness of the one may carry on to the next generation, or it may just take the, you know, the general texture of it and take the flavor from the other parent, or whatever. What it basically comes down to is that you're going to get a different variety of apple than what you planted. It may be similar, or it may be very dissimilar, but you're getting a whole new variety of apple. I've said that over and over again, and I'm sorry. To be redundant, I just think it's important to recognize because what people are going to say is, is it's going to be an awful, terrible apple. And what the fact is, or at least what the statistics show, is that you have a 30% chance of it either being one, an awful apple, like they said, a or two, 30% chance of it being a passable apple. Yeah, it's all right, it's okay. 
or 30% chance with the, or I, I say 30, I mean 33.33, whatever, you know, a one-third chance of each, uh, one-third chance of being a delicious new variety that is totally worth growing. Now, the mediocre apple, it's up to you. If you taste it and you're like, nah, I just really, I don't like this, then you can always graft onto that tree a variety you do want and then snip away what you don't want after that graft takes successfully. So there's never a reason to give up on an apple tree from what I can see unless you have just no time or patience to to learn how to graft because you can have whatever you want with an apple tree if you want you know the same kind you know a whole army of granny smith apples you're going to need some others around anyway to pollinate them so why not let those you know under the graft ones grow to help pollinate you'll probably have some crab apples or something around as well but the more pollinators the more fruit you'll get that's just how it works now here's the thing that's an interesting point to be made and i say this again in the apple section because Apples are so, so variety happy, you know, society is so variety happy with, uh, with apples. If you can get yourself to grow from seed specifically, it's okay if it's from a rootstock too, but you don't know for sure if maybe this actually came from an established variety or, or, you know, maybe it's a particular kind of, of, uh, crab apple or something that, um, and therefore, it's already got a designated variety around it, and it's just one of the crabapple varieties that is true to seed. It's it's not likely, but but that's a possibility. And so, you know, but you know, if it comes out a great fruit, then you've got a great fruit regardless. But as far as having a whole new variety or a unique variety, if you grow your apple from seed, you know you have a unique variety because it was grown from seed, by definition. And having a unique variety, if it is a good tasting apple, then your unique variety, of which there is none identical in the world, now becomes a source for graftings for other apple trees if, uh, in order to reproduce that fruit. So let me, let me rephrase that. Let's just say you plant an apple seed. It comes up. It's this gorgeous pink apple that tastes like candy. And you're like, dang, this is a good apple. There's no other apple exactly like that in the world, which means that you can take that variety and, and patent it and then sell graftings from your tree to uh, producers, apple producers. You, t you give them a, you bring in a, a a plate of apples and say, try this apple and would you like to be a carrier of this variety that, is, that, it, that I uniquely carry the patent to? And if so, then you can sell them grafts and uh, with those grafts, they will go and make more of those apple trees and with each one that they grow, with each one that they sell, tree that they sell, you will get a portion of the profits. So it becomes a business. Simply having a unique variety of apple can be a business of itself and one that can be passive income. I want to say for the rest of your life. It, it can be for the rest of your life. Just be aware that patents do run out and therefore it may come to the point where they don't need your permission anymore and they don't need to give you money every time anymore. My guess is if it's successful enough, then you will have plenty of, you know, uh, success to be able to be growing more apples and starting new varieties and, and you know, it perpetuate this whole approach. But anyway, I just make that point because it can be something that is um, worth considering as a business opportunity. Now, some people who don't like this closed copyright kind of system and they're like open source everything, that's great, that's great. And I, and I don't diss that at all. But what's most likely to happen if you just have your own 
unique variety of, you know, pink candy apple. Let's just say that's the variety you decide to call it, pink candy apple. Um, it is very likely if you're not going to market this, that it will simply grow in your yard and it will die in your yard. And that variety will be lost to the world. And despite everybody's efforts to anyone's efforts, which most people won't know about it because it wasn't marketed, um, because they don't know about it, it's it never they don't know what they missed out on. Whereas, if you patent it, sell it, get it out there, then it's known, it spreads, and over a hundred years, it becomes an heirloom apple, which we'll talk about next heirloom apples and so forth like that but um because admittedly you could do an open source thing where you take grafts to stores or you know um, producers of apple trees and say hey i've got these grafts do you want some feel free to do what you want with them whatever and then they go and they sell them and make all this money off them and they get into thousands of people's yards because they uh because they sold it to people the company gets all the money you get nothing except maybe the fun story of being able to say you started it that's the other option now if you are a crazy business person and and also an open source per not business person i'm sorry if you're a, a really passionate apple breeder whatever and you just want to get this out in the world you could be the source and and give them to people all over the place. And then from there, somebody else takes those things and shares them with other people and they share them with other people. That is certainly a possibility. I just don't see that as being a likely outcome simply because um, the, the fair share market when it comes to plants seems to be, oh, here's, here's a, a plant for you. That person plants it in their yard. They love it. Yay. Done. It dies in their yard. And then, you know, maybe along the way, they're, you know, sharing it with the 10, 20 people over your lifetime that you share it with, maybe 10 or 20 share onward. And basically it comes to the end of that tree's life when the last person has stopped sharing. And so it's just that, Business has a way of perpetuating. It has a way of keeping a variety alive simply because money is an energy. And we're, I'm not going to get into the politics of money or anything, but just recognize that money is an energy. And when it is used to, to perpetuate a species, for example, or, or a variety, I mean, it uses that energy to perpetuate it far. Everyone who would enjoy that apple is willing to pay for it. When you go to farmer's markets and you're selling that apple, people are going to go, I want this kind of apple. What kind of apple is this? Oh, it's a pink candy apple. Where do I get a pink candy apple? They get online. They see where they can find one. Oh, this nursery in such and such an area sells them. I'm going to get one. I'm going to order one. And where did that come from? Well, that came from the apple growers who sell to that company who get their license from you and you know what I'm saying it's if you if you want to perpetuate a variety it's got to spread and you can do it in the open source method but I just haven't seen that happen a lot with grafting in the plant industry with seeds maybe maybe but it's hard to get unique varieties out of seed when things grow true to seed. Do you see what I mean? True to seed means it's very much, if not almost identical with its mother. And so every generation looks like the last generation. There's nothing unique enough about it to call it a unique variety. But with apples, because they're so genetically diverse and every you know, generation from apples are going to be a new variety, then once you get a good new variety, the only way to keep that going is to graft. And I will make a quick exception with the uh, 
with the spreading of the species, uh, I'm sorry, of the varieties um, by grafting, by saying any way that that tree is um, propagated asexually, which means not by seed, then you will get a clone that way too. So if it gets a lot of suckers, for example, you grew it from seed, gets a lot of suckers, those individual suckers are also the same kind of tree, and that's okay. Just recognize that if you're grafting from, I mean, if you're, if you're taking suckers from a grafted tree, then the suckers will be the child of the rootstock, if that is making sense. And there is one other way to get it to grow from roots so that the entire plant is that unique variety, and that is to get root or get uh, branch clippings and get them to root <clears throat> by, you know, whether using rooting hormone, growing them straight in water, which is very difficult to do with apples, but it's been known to happen occasionally, getting roots to grow and then planting that. You've then got a, a you know, pure uh, clone of the, uh, that unique variety of, of pink candy apple. Okay, that is possible too, but it's just so much easier to do by grafting than it is by uh, root cuttings with apples. With other kinds, you know, not so much, but uh, with apples, that's, that's where we go. Okay, let's talk about heirloom versus heritage versus antique apples. You've probably heard the term heirloom apples often. You've probably occasionally heard of heritage apples, and you've probably heard of antique apples. And to be utterly confusing, as this uh, tends to be, they're interchangeable, unfortunately. <laughs> the terms are not set in stone. Um, however, there are a few things that are set in stone. For example, the definition of a modern apple is that the variety is younger than 50 years old. So that is an ever-changing scale, okay? That is something that... Uh, that will always change every year that 50 years ago date it changes every year because in order to be modern it's got to be less than 50 years old now if it is older than 50 years or the variety is at least 50 years old then it is considered an heirloom apple or a heritage apple whatever okay but uh, heirloom when it comes to apple trees is a little bit uh, it's it, it's I, I kind of struggle to use that term simply because in uh, vegetable growing let's say cucumbers okay an heirloom cucumber is a cucumber that has been perpetuated its variety has been perpetuated for several generations consistently by natural I'm sorry, not by, I mean, it could, it's fairly natural means usually, but um, by pollination, you know, of that cucumber without mixing with another variety, okay? And um, ideally, these have been perpetuated for human generations as well. So your grandparents... Um, may have been familiar with the particular variety that you're talking about. It, it could have been around for 200 years sometimes. That, that would be a really nice heirloom. But there, and, and we can talk more about uh, heirloom as it applies to the, um, you know, in general. But here's, here's the reason that it gets confusing with apples, is that with most plants, like the... Um, the cucumber, it has to have several generations grow consistently and staying pure to its type, to its variety, you know, by how it's flowered, pollinated, whatever. And then when you're getting it, you're getting this pure variety that has been perpetuated for several generations. Therefore, it is not an heirloom. I mean, I'm sorry, it is, it is not, it is definitely an heirloom. It is not a hybrid. It is not mixed with others. And so you have this pure heirloom variety. Now with an apple tree, apples live 50 to 80 years. 
So it could be that your apple comes from the seed that you're that you planted 50 years ago, or maybe that your parents planted 50 years ago, and it's grown up, and it's just there, and it's one of its kind. It's an heirloom apple because it's been around for at least 50 years. So it's that generational, that the uh, tree generations doesn't quite apply because you can't get the same variety of apple multiple generations in a row the same way you can with others because of that not being true to seed thing. So in that sense, they're not really heirloom by the traditional definition, but they are heirloom because they're over 50 years old. I mean, they were around when your grandparents were around. And so I have, I have kind of come up with my own way of labeling them. I consider an heirloom apple anything that's at least 50 years old. And again, that's a sliding scale because 50 years changes every year, what year that was. And then we get to the heritage apple. Now, heritage apples are absolutely heirloom because they're old. But they are unique because the variety has been around since before 1857. It is not a sliding scale. In, in 2000 or 2100 or 2200 of the year, um, it's still, the heritage is still going to be ones that were before 1857. And that is for the simple reason that that was the time when refrigerated boxcars became mainstream. The year, eight, somewhere between 1857 and 1868. If it has been around since before 1857. It it did not develop after refrigerated box cars were invented and and became mainstream enough to actually commercially move apples around. Now, what is the significance of that? It's quite simple actually. Apples pri- prior to refrigerated box car um, travel had to have a decent shelf life to be transported until then. So varieties that came after the boxcar, the refrigerated boxcar, it didn't much matter that they don't have a long shelf life because they, they could be transported refrigerated in their transportation. And so they would last just fine. So anything before that, it was a unique badge if it's from before that because it could last on the shelf, on a, on a non-refrigerated train or carriage or horseback, whatever, for a long time, enough to be able to sell it uh, far and wide. So that was a good cutoff point to be able to say, we should have something to differentiate these. There were always apples that didn't have that kind of shelf life and they didn't make the cut in terms of the generation. They didn't last the test of time because, you know, you it would just be passed neighbor to neighbor, which was a small, <laughs> a small following, you might say. And and so if they, if you wanted it to be able to be a commercially viable fruit, it had to have a long shelf life. So anyway, so heritage apples I consider anything before. 1857, and they also fall, uh, follow that uh, um, rule of being an heirloom apple as well, because they are definitely older than 50 years. I would call an antique apple a variety that's been around since before 1700. Now, that is a little bit of an arbitrary number, I will admit it, but that is kind of a hallmark because of some of the history of apples uh, prior to that time. And I don't know when it was exactly that they started really trying to perpetuate species, I mean, sorry, varieties of apples, rather than just growing them from seed and just you get what you get, because there is probably a time where that was pretty much how apples were grown, much as it is with most fruits today. But um, apples uh, 
um, started taking on a more prestigious role when they started, you know, really looking at varieties. And prior to um, 1700, um, that is a pretty dang old apple variety. They are, it, it just basically means that um, they have been around since some of the, you know, castles in Europe and so forth. And then I would call, that was the antique apple, that's, that's the very old ones. And I would call an ancient apple anything that was from before 1607, which is basically means that it's pre-colonial, you know, before the U.S. was even really a, uh, a place to plant apples. Let's just put it that way. So it's, you know, an ancient apple. I consider an ancient apple if it's, if it's been around since before 1607. Antique apple it's been before 1700 and again an ancient apple is also an antique apple a heritage apple and an heirloom apple it is just not a modern apple same with antique apple also being a heritage apple and an heirloom apple so forth it's a, it's a scale going down now there aren't many varieties that you can find that have been around since before much before 1607 which is why we don't go any further than that. If there is one from, you know, over a thousand years ago, that's just cool, and I'd love to find that. But, uh, uh, but most of the things that you find, most of the varieties that you find, um, it don't talk about variety at all. It's just species, a particular kind of crab apple or something, and and they've been grown, you know, generation to generation by seed, and so. It's not the same process, that grafting process, the cloning that's making it the exact same plant, just a, new, a whole new growth of it. Now, I know this was a long tangent on, on all these things around the apple, the domestic apple. I just think it's worth mentioning for the apple because when you're looking for particular things in your apple variety, if you're looking for a variety that is particularly tall or a particular shape or a particular, you know, maybe something that has to be able to withstand heavy constant rains or or maybe something that can withstand incredible dryness. There is so much research out there now on the virtues of various different apple varieties. And, you know, the older the variety too, the more it has kind of stood the test of time and therefore probably will again. These are trees that, that you know, breeding over the centuries has led some trees to be shorter lived but sweeter fruit or things like that. Whereas some of these older ones sometimes will live 200 years. And that is one of the reasons they've perpetuated this long because, you know, the, the uh, they've only had to be grafted a couple of times and and they can carry on for hundreds of years because of it. Anyway, so whatever it is you're looking for in an, in an apple tree, you can find it just about just because there are so many different varieties. I have compiled for myself a list, I want to say comprehensive, but it's as comprehensive as, as I've been able to find of apples that are cold hardy to zone four or lower. And I'm telling you guys, there's, there's, it's probably over a hundred varieties. I mean, I couldn't off the top of my head name more than maybe a dozen or two varieties of apple that I can think of um, just from our modern society, you know, throwing them on our shelves. But uh, there are so many out there. I, I think I've probably got a hundred or so different varieties of apple that are just zone four or below. And just with that guideline, you could do that I'll come up with a list like that for any feature that you're looking for with a domestic apple. So apples are just awesome, you guys. If you have not considered having an apple in your domestic apple in your food forest, seriously consider it. These things are like gold, and they are they are something that have been studied and and played with and tinkered with for hundreds of years. And it's so funny, too, when you start getting into these 
you'll start hearing people say, oh, this was Thomas Jefferson's favorite kind of apple. And then you'll find another apple that's a totally different variety that, oh, this was Thomas Jefferson's very favorite apple variety. <laughs> you start realizing, mm, did he really have 17 different favorites? Because <laughs> fact is, I think he had an orchard with lots of, of them. Oh, and we could get into a whole discussion about the... Um, about um, Johnny Appleseed and and his whole thing, you know, his whole story, which could be fun. Uh, we won't go into that in detail. Let me just say that he just got a bunch of apple seeds. And remember, not true to seed. You don't know what you're getting. And he basically brought apples across the United States. And many of those apples are have been perpetuated since then. It'd be so fun if if we had some list of all of the Johnny Appleseed uh, varieties, but we just don't know. He spread them so far and wide. He was, he was just an open source apples, 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 and they would raise them probably more for cider than for fruit. But, um, I mean, it, it, just some cool, cool things. If you ever want a cool story, look up uh, Johnny Appleseed's story. Okay, well, let's draw this to a finish. This is probably our longest episode yet for the domestic apple, Malus domestica, and it's it mixes with other apples such as the Chinese apple and paradise apple, and and of course several crab apples. But that's apples for you. Just recognize that the difference between a crab apple and an apple is just the size, two inches or less. Crab apple, bigger than that, domestic apple. It's, it's not really very scientific. It's just, that's just how it is. If you were to breed crab apples to get bigger, they would eventually become domestic apples. Whether they're any good tasting or not is a totally different matter. But uh, anyway, so thanks you guys so much for listening again. Mm -hmm.